Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Something special about the show is that it's made by a bunch of people who never would have gone after making a show about a pandemic if we knew one was coming mm-hmm. you know we shot episodes one and three before we had really heard of covid when we kind of were on we were trying to tell a story about healing and then we happened to fall into a gigantic pandemic hbo max's stirring drama station 11 is based on a book written long before 2020 and the show was also greenlit with production starting long before 2020 as well but the series which follows characters in the years following a global pandemic took on a bit of a different meaning after covid19 arrived i'm michael schneider and on this edition of the variety award circuit podcast i talked to station 11 stars mackenzie davis and Hamish patel as well as creator and executive producer patrick somerville about this very special series but first our award circuit roundtable discusses the lead actress categories in this year's emmy awards it's all next on this edition of the award-winning variety award circuit podcast stay close start recording here another week together but this will be it for a while because we're being spread out again i'm going to new york for the upfronts clayton's Going to the south of France? What the hell? Is that south? Yeah. I don't know. I've never been to Europe (laughs) before. This is new. It's called the French Riviera. We're going to lose Clayton. Yeah. (laughs) He's never going to come back from Cannes. (laughs) Guys, this is classic when Clayton gets kidnapped. (laughs) When Americans go abroad. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Well, hello, everyone. I am Variety T. Whoa, I like that. What was that? That was a, a notification. <laughs> this is Clayton's first podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Variety TV editor, Michael Schneider, joined as always by Emily Longaretta. Hey, Am I supposed to yay. say my title? Because I know you don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows it. Senior TV features editor. There we go. Yeah, it's too long. I, I know can't. it is long. It is. Artisans editor, a senior artisans editor. Senior. Yeah. Right. respect. Jazz tank. <laughs> Bow down to the artisans senior editor. It just it starts to sound like we're old. Well, yeah. honestly, so senior citizen editor. <laughs> and speaking of senior executive vice president oh, of all things God. awards, I wish it was. I wish that was actually the title. <laughs> Clayton Davis. Be a lot more zeros at the end. Paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'd be flying uh, first class. Yeah, uh, that'd be I would, first class. I went to France many a time then. <laughs> private jet, more like. I know. Ooh, I think I get private jet. Life. 
Yeah. So so you're kind of juggling the the, the next season of uh, film awards while still pl- I am, playing I with am us. I'm toe dipping. This is very. I'm being very modest about. I it. I feel like we should take away the like word season when we talk about awards shows yeah. now because it's yeah. literally year. all year round yeah. for film and TV. There is no off season yeah, anymore. Exactly. There's not even a day off. Yeah. Like, this is this is right. There yeah. is somewhat of a day off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Top Gun Maverick. I mean, we're looking forward to that, right? right. Yeah. Uh, I'm wanna, pretty excited about that. Want to see Goose? No, Goose is gone. Goose, Goose is, is gone. Dead. gone. Sorry. Goose is son. Dark. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> there is a goose in Top Gun. And it, <laughs> and it uh, falls away. Yeah. Um, yeah Highway and, to the Danger Zone. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's yeah. one of my favorite movie songs, by the way. Like, ever. Danger Zone? Yeah. It's awesome. That whole soundtrack is just magic. It's pretty, it's pretty killer. It takes my breath away. Oh, oh there we go. that was a mic joke. Mike said, "Damn you, James. Hashtag proud. <laughs> and am I right? I think Top Gun. I think uh, Tom Cruise is sixty this year. Yep. Is he? he turned sixty yeah. this year. Stop. He's still doing his own stunts. Oh, like I like knock on wood. I hope I'm wrong about this, but I've joked for a long time. We're gonna lose uh, Tom Cruise on a, on a set or something. Oh like so he is dark. going. He is Clayton. going to be somewhere. Like yeah, I jumped from the rocket ship onto yeah. you know the other airplane." And then, oh, just he went out. He's lost in space right now. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, Plans, you mean, did you mean daddy just meant like lost <laughs> well, yeah. in space? Like, he's gone into a vortex. In space. The black hole vortex is interstellar. He's behind the bookcase. Right, I'm gonna, I'm this is what you do at 2 a.m. in the morning when you can't yeah, sleep. Just think about start, Tom Cruise's life. I start making like predictions. All right. I'm going to br- I'm gonna bring it back <laughs> from the brink. Um, <laughs> it does feel like we're knee deep now in FYC as well. I mean, the panels had already started, but uh, everything's opening up. Uh, you know, Amazon has their prime experience up there uh, in the, the, the hills of Beverly, mm. also known as Beverly Hills. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've got this massive mansion with a man-made lake in the back and, and, uh, uh, theater and and it's it's crazy it's a ridiculous spot it's amazing so what do you think beverly was that she got these hills like like Clayton has who, had, who had no sleep i'm so confused as to what is going on what in is that brain question today? i was going, he went hills of beverly so i was like Please who was she that sleep she got on the plane hills? you've got several hours to fly to <laughs> paris oh um, god so there's that um netflix is opening up its uh, uh experience again uh the f-y-c-s-e-e at uh raleigh studios uh uh, Disney's got something going on at El Capitan. Warner Brothers has something going on on their lot. Um, Peacock. You, yeah, Peacock. Peacock uh, actually, Emily, didn't you say you went to the, the pop-up? I have or, not yet. I oh, went to the pop-up. Oh, oh, I, I did. Yeah, I have not yeah, yet. I didn't know the pop-up. I was at the Grove. Oh, nice. And it was it was very nice. The, uh, Girls by the other uh, outfits and stuff. Oh, cute. They had a Bel Air uh, basketball hoop, but no basketball. Mm. Oh. We were visited by the uh, the the hacks uh, Deborah Vance bus today at uh, Variety headquarters with soda. <laughs> with Very excited about those t-shirts. I'm not the gonna DV lie. Diet Coke, uh, right? Can I just say, by the way, like shirt or hoodie? They did not let you get both. Oh, I didn't even see it. <laughs> there was the a hoodie. hoodie. There was a hoodie. Oh, I missed the hoodies. I, I was I was that was Sophie's choice of like clothing. Yeah. Like I yeah. I love a good hoodie. Mm, I love a good bed shirt. So that mm-hmm. was my my go to. Um, but yeah, so nonetheless, campaigning in full force. Uh, and that includes panels, which I know everyone here at this table has been moderating a bunch. Mm-hmm. So you have a no panel pol- policy in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I just started up now. Maybe it's time to go back to virtual. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's like people. 
I will say when I get, when I moderate a panel, I'd much rather be in person. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I feel no, like I virtual is such a struggle. I, I just love the convenience of, of getting up and yeah. walking to my living room. To my, to my <laughs> Living room, yes, it is like such a joy. Yeah, and and then just having to dress from the top up, like yeah, that really has opened things. It really up. is great. But I like being able to go from one panel to another panel, maybe with a twenty minute break, versus having to be like, oh, I've got to get from the London to like the Pacific Design Center and find parking space. And like, oh my god, I just came up with an idea. Panel. We all should build like a panel studio. That all, and then make the Emmys force a rule that you have to do your panels at this studio. Therefore, we would only have to go to this one place in our building right now because we would build it in here. <laughs> and then that would be it. Moderators what? also should have assigned parking spots. <laughs> yes. yes, assigned parking. That takes, you have no idea how much stress goes into parking when you're going to moderate a panel. It's like, where can I park? Is there parking? And Gene's smart to greet you at every at every yeah. one. Just That's hello, what I want. Hello, moving the cone mm-hmm. on the. Oh my spot. god! No, I would never. I would be but, so offended. Squid <laughs> Put that down. Um, but but yeah, I mean that was the original. The, the plan always was they should all be at the TV Academy. That's what the TV Academy would uh, prefer. That's why oh, they they really? built this big uh, theater and and ideally they would like everything there. But uh, streamers have other ideas mm. and they, streamers got money, so that's where things have really kind of blown up the past couple of years. And and we're back to kind of like just crazy crazy campaigning with the amount of just stuff going on. Yeah, it's nonstop. People are hungry for them awards. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why we're here. Yeah. That is so why we're here. We're here to shovel it in you. So <laughs> get, get, get those gullets ready. <laughs> so. oh, it's Monday. Can you guys tell it's Monday? Oh, this what happens, can tell this, when we record this is what happens when we record on a Monday. Yeah. I'm probably like over. Uh, no, no, no. We're rested. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Right. You know who I haven't seen yet this season and I want to see? Where's Tony Collette? I miss her. You haven't seen her? I haven't seen her this I've season seen her yet. Everywhere. She's incredible. She's going to get two Emmy noms this year. <laughs> I'm, hold, so I'm holding to it. All right. All right. Um, well, why don't we get into the category this week? Uh, which uh, what, what should we talk I about? Mean, all the, I mean, it's going to be guest actor this week, so I don't, I don't think we should go over guest acting as much. But, I mean, I think the leading races are interesting, the ones that are relatively wide open. Yeah. And I would like to discuss, in particular, lead actress drama because – Tony Collette, as I said, for pieces of her, which Emily Longaretta really likes, and she believes uh, not enough people have seen. But as I pointed out to her, I don't think a lot of people saw Shrill either. These so, are great points. And I, have, I, and I think people right now we're in this kind of mode of the Academy that I think they are voting a lot of for the people they know rather than the shows they've watched. Right. All right. So. So get to it. Let's hear your picks. Oh, uh, I mean, and then we'll we'll debate them. Um, is this is this? Is, I think this is Zendaya's to lose at the moment with Alora Lenny creeping by. I call her the uh, awards thief because she can just swoop in and just win stuff for the big C. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of other stuff. Uh, I think Melanie Linsky feels pretty good yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I think if, even if Yellow Jackets tanks on its face, which I don't think it's going to, but if it does, I think she's the survivor of it. Yeah, and then uh, you. Can round it out with uh, a Jennifer Aniston, possibly Tony Collette, or Mandy Moore, thanks to Sterling K. Brown in <laughs> that interview saying that she needs an Emmy. To be honest, for someone who's seen a little bit more of This Is Us that has aired mm. so far and knows a little bit more, I would not be surprised mm. if she on that list. Oh, wow. Wow. 
Well, that'd be nice for the final that'd season. Be so nice. Yeah. She's been very under-nominated, though, for her run on that show, period. because she's, she's always been underrated. I think once, right? She, she got one or two? I don't even know if run. it was one. She, got, she definitely got one. Okay, that only got, one. But one, like, way later in the game. Like, season two, I felt like was her moment. Mm-hmm. And they snubbed her completely. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – actually, and I think a lot of that is it's kind of a weaker category this year, dare I say. Like, it's not – like, like Killing Eve, I don't know if that's coming back for that one last – you know, yeah, but Jody that, Comer, but that could be the case of just voters sticking with what they know. Yeah, and and Jody Comer and Sandra O oh have been perennials, so maybe maybe they just get in through through that. Yeah, um, but also you've got uh, you know what about the Severance Train? So Patricia Arquette, Ooh. yeah, uh, well she's going to be supporting. Britt Lower is going to be lead, and I think uh, I think that I think that might have been a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I don't think Patricia's lead really. I mean, she's lead ish. I think she's more lead than Britt. Right. If you're going to have to give it to one of them, if you had to do a lead, then yeah, I guess Patricia would be it. But yeah, I, but yeah, I do. Kinda... She's, she's a star, so and she's a Emmy favorite. Yeah, but I think Britt's going to end up missing out. But I think she's so good on that. But she she should probably went on the supporting train. What about the Gilded Age? Because I feel like there's a lot of love for that, and maybe Carrie Coon get in. Uh, Gilded Age, I'm going to put it in the same boat as like 61st Street and Shining Girls. I can't find a real like person that isn't in this industry that has watched the show. Like a right, like a right, like, 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 like of my friends and family back home. I don't think are they voters? Oh. No, they're not. Well, like, but the, a lot of a lot of it comes word of mouth. I yeah. think right. too. So I don't know how many have actually. A lot of people are playing catch up at the moment. So yeah, there's mm. that. But I, don't I, know. I, I feel like in the industry, people have watched it and talked about it. Um, it's gonna get a ton of artisan love, though. Like uh, this costume is gonna should. be like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Carrie Coon, go ahead. I mean, Carrie Coon needs some love herself. She's very underrated. Yeah. I'd love to see Carrie Coon and Tracy Letts get something, but uh, Tracy's part of a, a massive ensemble on Winning Time, so that that's kind of tough to to break through. And Tracy's gonna go supporting, right? So um, you tell me. Man. I don't know. Actually, actually, uh, I, 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 I'm double check. <laughs> I think he's supporting. Like, I think John uh, C. Riley's the only lead. For yeah, I mean, he's definitely not gonna lead. So the only question is, like, have people done the math? Like, no, nah, he was probably in too much to be a guest. Yeah. So yeah, so he's got to be supporting. Can I ask you, Emily? Because I think you're the only one that has uh, gotten pretty far in the watch of Stranger Things. Winona Ryder is she's she was supporting the first season and then she went lead after. I have not. I have not watched the new episodes yet. Mm, okay. So we don't know. Jazz, I have. Oh, oh. So maybe I confused. There you go. Yeah, we're confused. Leadish. Confused. I don't know. I really don't know about Winona. I just feel like it's such a. I feel it's competitive, and maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not convincing. Yeah, I don't not, know. Little, I'm, I, I'm ready for a, a late breaking Nev Campbell for the Lincoln lawyer. Ooh. I, I, I knew I'd get your attention, Emily. <laughs> I love me some Nev I love me some Nev Campbell, too. Not yet. It's, it's I mean. Coming. I think it's kind of late for I mean, uh, some of these last-minute shows that are never popping too in. Late. Nev Campbell, Michael. <laughs> she is it, perfect in every way. It may be. It may be too late. I mean, I feel, feel the same way about Victoria Pedretti for you. I think she's very underrated. But people, I mean, it's not going to be that kind of, I can't imagine anyone would think of her like that. True. So Aniston, but not Reese for Morning Show? Um. Uh, yeah, I would say this time. Yeah, yeah. Morning show feels like so well, long ago. Oh now. my god! Yeah, I mean, different lifetime. Like, right. I mean, Reese didn't get in first season. I thought she had like way 
way better chance then. Yeah, and for now a season I, she was so much head more. So that was ten variants ago. Yes. I also don't think she should win lead this season. I think she wasn't she a little bit more of a backseat. I didn't finish it. Aniston? No. No. Uh, Reese. Um, I mean, they all had big storylines. Because Billy yeah, felt leadish this time too. Who did? Billy Crudup. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but more than. Supporting. But ultimately, the show is about those two, and then. Yeah, first season Corel as well. I mean, so you, it makes sense that Corel would go supporting since he's he's a part of it, but not as much. But those two are still the the shining stars of the morning yeah. show, and and she did have that big, uh, you know, the the her storyline with Juliana yeah. Margulies. Yeah, so so I can see that. Right, but I could see Juliana getting nominated for supporting. Oh yeah, because yeah. well, I, I, I think and I think it's an easy thing for that to do because like it, there's a lot of nominations people do like oh it's harmless we could just like pick them mm-hmm. you know and she's like i think probably best in show of most of the reviews for this yeah, season she's good well why don't we talk about comedy actress oh that's my favorite category this year uh even though i pretty i'm pretty sure like just gene smart go ahead like get yeah. ready ain't mad at it i'm mad i'm mad either it's been you're, a long time coming julia louis louise dreyfus part two you will win every season until the show's off the air, and that's fine. But she will be uh, contending with Rachel Brosnahan, Quinta Brunson. Yeah. Mm, great to see Quinta. She's, like, she's, oh, my God. Just, I, I think it would be it would be the most egregious snub since maybe Zoe Deschanel first season of New Girl. Cause didn't she miss that year? Or – no, I think well, she had – I think the New Girl missed, period. Yeah, I, I mean and, – and because the thing is you could see them – snubbing yeah abby you could see them just like <laughs> screwing up and, and oh, oh, missing that show for whatever reason that would which, be it, it would be yeah. that would be insane it would be the worst thing they've ever done <laughs> like wow. it would, it would it'd be one of the, in the like, history of the academy like, i mean i just of television I, feel, I feel like she's like an easy number three but then yeah. uh tracy ellis ross i think may get a, a farewell nod as will Issa Rae, possibly yeah. and then you have selena gomez and then yeah. kaylee cuoco yeah, yeah. Uh, establishment SJP Sarah Jessica Parker always uh, open for get, she can always get, <laughs> she can always get a nom that's uh, Elle Fanning Sandra O oh, you know maybe not Killing Eve gets it for the chair yeah and then uh, if uh, God likes me Tiffany Haddish or Robin Thede. Um there's also Pamela Adlon for the final season of Better Things, who could but always when, sneak when, in. I, when did that come back? <laughs> like, when <laughs> when was that out? It, it was earlier this year. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I watched it. That flew over my <laughs> head. I did not watch it. But yeah. it just recently finished, like a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so you mentioned you mentioned Natasha Leone? I did not. Okay. Natasha Leone. So you got Russian Doll in there, too. Yep. Um, interesting, all these season two folks coming back. So do they, some of them cancel each other out, especially these late comers, um, you know, the five, like second seasons of, of flight attendant and, and uh, Russian dollar just coming out now. Mm. And is that just too much TV for people to watch? Are they going to miss one of these? Yeah, Actually, a lot of people in their final seasons as well. Lily Tomlin, um, Maya Erskine, I guess technically because pen 15 won't come back. Right? Yeah, they, yeah, and, and this is also the second half of that season. This is Hangover rule, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. just so that makes this. When we discussing that this morning for a certain the ha- show oh, for uh, Obi Wan Kenobi? Yes. Oh yeah. So what is the story with that? Obi Wan Kenobi is not this year's Emmys. Right. Um, also, I think we don't know where it would have went if it was limited or drama series because they have not said right that it's a well they they uh, market it as a limited series, but. Boba Fett also doesn't have a season two, and that's being submitted in drama. 
<sighs> so tricky. So tricky. What about Courtney Cox for Shining Val? I know she's low on your list, but I'm very impressed. Whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's not say it like that. Courtney Cox is high in, in, my, in my heart. <laughs> yeah. um, Shining Dale. I mean, listen, like stars is juggling that and blind spotting. Right. And they, and power book, power book, Wait, power Raising, raising canon. Yeah, raising canon. Yeah, I was, I was like, uh, I don't know what book it is. I just called yeah. <laughs> So, um, I, I don't. They're they're still trying to establish themselves in the Emmy game. I mm-hmm. think they're, you know, I think it'll be good for her to be in the race, but I don't think she's ultimately going to get close. Ooh, another name we haven't mentioned yet: Sarah Lancashire for Julia. Can I also say I don't know if people know that that's a comedy series and not a limited. I think people think that was like a one-off because how do you make a whole show about Julia Child? I think when, yeah, when it got announced as renewed, everyone was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) More of this? Yeah, it's interesting. You do have like, and and Winning Time's another good example Mm -hmm. of like everyone just assume, oh, that's a limited series, right? No. We're going to do this all the time. Going on. Um, How do you you feel about Ghosts? Because Ghosts is that little thing that I'm like, if it popped up in like, 50 places, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it did. And then if it didn't, I'd be like, oh, no, yeah, it didn't either. Like, it's one of those either or. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one from an actor standpoint because it's such a large ensemble. Yeah. And also, yeah. And lead is also a bloodbath. Like, where do you try to fit um, Rose Rose, Rose, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Rose in? That's pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it got, it's gotten a lot of like eyes on the show this season more than any right a like, broadcast those, like, i'd say yeah that and abbott um, yeah yeah those are the two like heroes of broadcast this mm-hmm. year yeah for sure what do you think about what we do in the shadows because th- it had that surprise jump in last time and then now it's like but natasha like none of the actors have ever really got i feel like having gotten harvey close. deserved a little bit more than more of the praise than he got i thought but I don't know if enough people talk about it. I feel like no one is talking about it. Yeah, and it's it's such a competitive year that when you look at like names that would normally be contenders like Haley Steinfeld from Dickinson or Amy Schumer from Life and Beth, uh, Jane Fonda, Lily Collins, Emily in Paris, like folks who in the past may have been top 10 just because the the the, the race is so crowded, suddenly, you know, aren't even there. Aquafina, Nora from Queens, right. um, you know, the list of Renee Also, no, remember yep. that came back, like, either. Like, the, the, everything, like, just is on autopilot now. <laughs> American Auto. Uh, see? Yeah. And I guess. I, do, I just do really like that there are two, like, obviously Blackish, it's the last one, but I love that there's two broadcast comedies that could. And likely will get a nomination. I, I, I like yeah. that those are going to keep broadcast like in the discussion for the next like three to five years. Until, hopefully, until, hopefully, until yeah, let's hope. And maybe they can build on that, and suddenly broadcast is back, baby. What happened to streaming? History <laughs> repeats itself. <laughs> let's, we all know. As as streamers go away, time to bring back broadcast. I mean, appointment viewing is already coming back. People are dropping episodes weekly now again. Yeah, yeah. So. Exactly. Can I just say, by the way, how spoiled I've been that like when you have to, when you're making me wait a week, I'm like, what? I know. It's crazy. But I kind of love it. I kind of love it too because I look forward to like Friday mornings. I'm like, ooh, a new episode. I I know I always bring it up, but WandaVision like really like, I was so open to that. I was like, I had such a good time waiting week to week. Yeah. Also helped a lot with uh, the success of that show. Because it just gives you something to look forward to. And also like there's that communal thing of like, oh, we're all watching X show at this time. As opposed to like, wait, I haven't seen that yet. Like, 
and lead actress limited. Yeah. So uh, I, like as we as we continue on week by week, I'm just like Amanda. I think you should probably just get ready to give a speech. She's Maybe. she's tight, but don't forget Margaret Qualley. Margaret Qualley there. Mm-hmm. Listen, Jessica Chastain won an Oscar this year, so that's going to help a ton. Um, they Pam, and, Pam and Tommy's such a weird one too. Like, I feel good sometimes that it's going to do well, and then other times I'm like, oh, I feel like it's going to fall off. It feels like a I long think time it's going to fall off. I can't, I think it's going to fall off. Yeah, that, that's one that probably could just use more campaigning. Like, honestly, yeah. if they, the guy, because Lily James is like on the cusp and like it's easy to forget just how great she yeah. was so great. as Pam Anderson. Um, but yeah, when you've got, uh, you know, Viola Davis, of course, who is always in the mix um, and probably is. Viper. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Claire Foy, um, who, you know, is a, a favorite, even if it's a different British show that she's a part of this time. Um, and all the Oscar winners, Renee Zellweger, Julia Roberts, Anne Hathaway. I mean, it's wild. Olivia Coleman. This yeah. is such an A-list Nicole Kidman, yeah. twice. All the Julias, Garner, oh, Roberts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I swear. I keep I like I know I have Julia Gardner seven, but I feel like I've told myself I I know I'm lying to myself when I put her seven. I think she's gonna make it. Don't underestimate I, her. I think she is right. too. I think she could maybe go above Renee in my mind as Elwiger because I just I don't know. Julia Gardner always blows my mind. I just can't. Yeah, yeah, and she's another favorite, and that's yeah. such a iconic role. I mean, just that everything that she did in Anna. It's insane. Yeah. So she <laughs> she could be a double nominee. Got a, I, I got a great, yes. we got a great SNL skit out of it. It was 100%. fantastic. Yeah. We also shouldn't sleep on Elle Fanning. I know we talk about her for the great, but the girl from Plainville. I think that's her ticket if she's getting in. Mm-hmm. The girl from Plainville. I, think it'll be for I mean, she could be another double yeah. nominee, too. I mean, Maybe it depends triple, on... she's also an executive producer. <laughs> Jesus. All right, fine. Add the producers uh, to the uh, I'm just I'm talking about acting. Justice for Al Listen, Jason Bateman, too, man. He produced the... the producer on everything. Uh, under the banner. Under the banner of heaven, yeah. yeah. I'm about to say the oh, That's right. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> under the staircase. That's a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then Jessica Biel for Candy. I'm impressed by Jessica Biel and Candy. Jessica Biel is a really good actress, and I want her to have her moment. And it's, I feel like it's going to come soon. It's just like you don't know if this is it, though. It could. It could. It just again. It's there's so many names like ahead of her. Like when 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 I feel like I have Olivia Coleman at sixteen, right. it feels yeah. like well, and Sarah Paulson. It, yeah, like all these yep. names that you know, Claire Danes. Uh, yeah. You know, these are names that could very well sneak in because they are names. Uh, regardless, uh, Tony Collette, um, you know, it's, it's great. Anna Chlumsky, uh, you know, again, Haley Steinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Actually, um, Tony Collette, I, I think you're further in the show than I am. It, it, is supporting a good go for her. I think she probably felt leadish. I would say leadish. <sighs> Actually, now that, I, now I, that you say that, well, I'm actually, like, I, I, think, I haven't gotten a confirmation on where she's going yet. So that's that, a very I'm interesting just, story. She's in every episode. But I just don't know if there's enough. <sighs> you should figure that out. Yeah. I always look at Michael Schneider as the Colin How- Firth staircase of our quad here. Um, <laughs> wait. Don't know. Like, I'm a little, maybe you've Colin Firth, but not yeah. the staircase bar. <laughs> I hope not. Wait, um, how much of the staircase have you seen? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love the doc so much. <laughs> actually, I don't remember a lot of how it ends. So, like, I'm actually watching now. Like, wait, I don't remember how. I watch the doc. The doc is so great. That's my next. Wait, where is the doc? Is it streaming? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Netflix. 
Which surprising that Netflix did not grab this. Like, and the show is a yeah. lot about the making of the doc. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, okay. Well, um, Clayton and I work by a nasty staircase every day. It's 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 a creepy staircase. So you that's do? the yeah. staircase outside my yeah. Windows. It, that oh, has a wind tunnel. The wind. Yeah. So. Oh, I hear it a lot. I didn't know where that was coming from. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's from the wind tunnel. The staircase. Yeah. I promise we're in the same office. I literally just had no idea. <laughs> uh, and then there's like 40 Nicole Kidman shows that. <laughs> Why she went lead for Nine Perfect Strangers, I'll never know. Like, she could have just went supporting with everyone else. Not that she was going to get in either way, I think. Like, uh, love uh, her, though. No, they do love her, but like, get, it, it, go supporting. They probably would have just defaulted and just be like, yeah, I'll see you, Nicole. In Roar is all out already? I had no idea. Yes, I think it's sold out, right? <laughs> like, I know nothing about this I've show. never felt less educated on a Emmy season than I do this year. Like, I don't know what's actually out there well, what isn't. I think that's so interesting because you watch a lot of these shows. We all watch a lot of these shows. But it's impossible not to feel like that because it's you just can't watch everything. I think I was, I was talking to Mike last week. We were talking about Cecily Strong. And it was like, oh, uh, her, her abortion thing was last season. He was like, no, no, it was this season. I was like, wait. Oh yeah, yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. But then, the, but then I was questioning time. And <laughs> space. Exactly. What is time? Yeah. What is what is time now? But <laughs> what it, SNL host is going to win guest? By the way, this year, just speaking of, I stuff. mean, I would vote for Gerard. Gerard oh Carmichael. yeah. I, the thing is, he's not as well known as some of the others, Guys, but he by far gave the best monologue and, and show of any SNL this year. What do you 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 about to say? A hot take, Emily? What are you going to say? My controversial take. I mean, Kim Kardashian. She killed it. I'm not going to say she didn't. I'm not going to say she didn't. Who did not like that? I will say they definitely whipped out the best writers for that That's episode. That's what I meant. I guess more than any, I mean. As In comparison, who, especially to Ariana DeBose, exactly. who I felt like got so underutilized right. her episode. Yeah. My yeah. thing with, the, the thing with Kim is, to me, was that, especially if you're watching, which I know I'm probably the only one here that is, but her reality show, mm. um, they like showed what went into it and showed her writing jokes with the help of Dave Chappelle and Amy Schumer and like the time. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like she killed it and yeah. she's not an actress. So I was like, eh, you know what? I'm I'm happy with that. I'm okay yeah. saying yeah. that. I think Drod, by the way, will be competitive for Variety Special because this special got a lot, a lot of attention. Yeah. I could see yes. that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. That'd be a good good get for him. It was yeah. good. It was a good special. That would be interesting if like he was nominated for both. Basically, that came out the same week. Yeah. And oh yeah, that is the same week. That, right? Yeah. So the day before, right? Well, yeah. Like two days before. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I think we'll leave it there for now. Variety sketch. Get ready. <laughs> that hot hot category. <laughs> Indeed. Two. two nominees. Two nominees. <laughs> Who will it be? Well, out of the seven submissions, guys, we need to write a variety sketch series and submit it. What are we yeah. doing? Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. We can. We could literally record right this. Do this podcast, right? Do an impression, Emily, please. Right now, <laughs> please, do, please do one. Not doing that. Do Absolutely not. Do, do, do an impression I'm of Colin Firth so, in the staircase. I, <laughs> I will hard pass. I'll give you five dollars. Would have been a great sketch of all of you like trying to leak. Peep into the room. Yeah. Emily, yeah. you have to come with the with the impression. Next, the impression Next is. week. That's my horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, we need to wrap it up with that. We definitely need to All wrap right. it up with uh, that. And that's a wrap. See you guys next week. <laughs>After the break, Station Eleven stars Mackenzie Davis and Hymish Patel, as well as executive producer Patrick Somerville. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Based on the book of the same name by Emily St. John Mandel, Station Eleven is a 10-episode series about the aftermath of a devastating flu that wipes out most of the world, and the survivors who attempt to rebuild and reimagine the world anew, and in particular, a performance troupe known as the Traveling Symphony that attempts to keep the arts alive. We're the Traveling Symphony. We travel for a reason. Just try to make the world make sense for a minute. No one finds people from before. Sometimes I think we should be out there looking for them. I come to you with an invitation to the Museum of Civilization. Beware the prophet. Beware the children who follow him. Patrick Somerville adapted the novel into the series, which stars Mackenzie Davis as Kirsten, who had lived through the beginning of the flu crisis as a child actor. She clings to a graphic novel that had been given to her by her older co-star, and it forms the basis of how she looks at the post-apocalyptic world. That series-long arc is studded with flashbacks to folks tied closely or loosely to Kirsten, including Jeevan, played by Hamish Patel. A total stranger who took her in when the pandemic quickly spread, he helped set the stage for her future in this new world, and the question of how they got separated is a major arc of Station Eleven. I recently spoke with Davis, Patel, and Somerville about Station Eleven and how it resonated even more at launch. But first, we started talking about launching the show under such unusual circumstances. Patrick Somerville kicks it off. Well, I think think there was a time... Uh, in November and December when we were getting close to the show coming out. And I think Mackenzie is, Mackenzie is our moral compass, I always feel like. Yeah, true. I think, well, it was a little unclear if uh, having a show come out about a pandemic was something that uh, was a show that people wanted to watch, you know, because we ourselves have gone through something traumatic, really. You know, and I think, I think that... W- uh, Mackenzie voiced it, but we also internally at HBO were just trying to figure out how do we talk about this show in a way that kind of like honors that, but also does a good job talking about how the show isn't about pain mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it's fun. The show's fun, yeah. Too. That's another thing it, it, for all the for all the darkness that is sort of in the background of the show, the show is really fun. The traveling symphony is really fun. Yeah. You've got David Cross showing up. David I mean, Cross is always crazy. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> David know. Wilmot. Fun yeah. as hell. Yeah. 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 Um, and funny too. I would say even the first episode with, uh, with, with the amount of darkness descending, um, Hamash and Matilda's mm-hmm. relationship fundamentally feels warm and funny. I don't know. Is that, is that, is that true to you? Hamash? Yeah. Yeah, that has, it had a lot to do with how much we got on in real life and how open Matilda is as a person to, to those things. So I think that, yeah, but that's where the warmth came from. Yeah, yeah. Just um, that, that mismatched partnership between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I think we were able to bring that out. And I think we just got on as people so well and from the beginning, really. And um, and so it, 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 it added, I think, a warmth to... Yeah, dark times, like you just yeah. said, Patrick. 
Well, Mackenzie, Patrick said that you were sort of the moral compass. So, so how were you sort of, uh, you know, kind of guiding, helping everyone, guiding them during the launch? What were your sort of takes on, okay, how do we... <laughs> well, the hard part about that is that right before you said that, I was opening my mouth to be like, well, we hit that sweet spot where we got to have an in-person premiere right before Omicron. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone was locked inside and watched our show. And then now we're on the other side. So, um, yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm the moral compass for the show. <laughs> Can I clarify uh, what I meant? Yeah. Uh, I think that, and and because it happened during production too. Um, in in the early days when we were in prep before we started shooting, I think the question Mackenzie asked a lot was, "What are we doing as we make this show to acknowledge that this happened, mm. that a pandemic happened?" And and it wasn't so much like how are we changing to adjust, but it was sort of how are we honoring. The idea that not only like the people who are going to watch this show, but the people who have to make the show all the way down to the crew are going through this as we're talking about it, too. And I think, I don't know, when when the show was coming out, it was that again. Um, and Omicron was hitting and it's just sort of you don't want to be tone deaf. Yeah. Um, but you we're all very proud of the show we made, too. So we don't want to be quiet at the same time. And I think like the show is such a meta experience for all of us who made it where like that consciousness of what are we doing with this finished product was also like we were excavating and and living through like current and past trauma while we were making the show. And so I don't know, it felt really important, not just in this like benevolent for the audience, for the world way, but for us to like make sure there was a cohesive um, sort of philosophy and that it wasn't masturbatory or or like an award ceremony in the middle of the pandemic or something. It was like like trying to to like cohere entertainment and like our lived experience, which was really intense and and yeah, yeah. Well, and I think in a way that you could have never planned, the show was even more sort of powerful and therapeutic, maybe in a way for for people watching, especially those who you know had per- personally been impacted yeah. by by the pandemic, and and in some ways ways that you could have never planned. Uh, yeah. It it maybe felt like an even more fulfilling experience. I would I would I would say would have never planned. You know, I think. Something special about the show is that it's made by a bunch of people who never would have gone after making a show about a pandemic if we knew one was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, we shot episodes one and three before we had really heard of COVID. Um, when we kind of were on, we were trying to tell a story about healing. Um, and then we happened to fall into a gigantic pandemic. And so, I don't know. I think there's a lot of gigantic feelings that our audience had been sitting on and were buried and didn't have a voice uh, to, didn't have a way to express them. Um, And it just so happened we were making a show that was trying to make that vocabulary. Uh, So I think it was, uh, we felt it deeply while we were making it. And I think our audience, I think what's special about the show is how, how deeply felt it's been when it's connected with the people it's connected to. And I think it's a lot to do with the hardship of the last couple of years, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And also the, some of the themes and, and some of the recurring even lines. So when you hear, I remember damage, 
what does that mean to the three of you? And do you all have sort of different takes on what that means and, and what that means personally to you, that phrase? <laughs> Aside from it immediately making us laugh. <laughs> I think as we said it to each other yesterday on a walk. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about like... Yeah. Did, did you because say it in that. that way too? Like, I remember damage. <laughs> no one can say it like Danielle says it. No, I exactly. Think it's... No, I think what Mackenzie was just talking about, about the the difficulty, the stuff we were mining whilst we were making the show. We were all going through, well, living through a pandemic for one, but also all sort of, it was, it was connecting to... Uh, experiences past experiences but also yeah current experiences for various reasons and so for me personally when I think about that because it's obviously one of the key lines of the show but also I was hearing it a lot whilst going through this crazy experience of of making a show in the cold of Canadian winter during a pandemic yeah that was kind of you know as, as as wonderful as parts of it were there was also parts of it that I found really difficult, and that, anyways, that, that's my damage. That was which is I'm experiencing damage. Yeah, and I'm remembering damage. Yeah, I will remember damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, damage yeah. is forever. Yeah, has <laughs> working on this show permanently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> giving you a little bit of damage, but <laughs> I, which I, I don't know if that's just true of every everything. Really, ultimately, there's going to be part of it that, that stays with you in some way. And I'm glad that to say that like the damage for me is not it, it's a t- it's a tiny it's like five percent of you know the ninety five percent of it for me is it was wonderful and and I loved working with everyone and I made some wonderful friendships but yeah. it, 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 that it was quite a heavy mm-hmm. thing it was just there for everyone it was sitting underneath everything we were doing it was this you know this weird. Um, arena in which we were making it where we we couldn't see each other outside of work we couldn't connect in those ways we couldn't couldn't see each other in work there was this we had to wear visors and then there was a lot of smoke and it was very dark and like because of the convexness of the visor like we i couldn't see people and it was such a strange thing for people to be masked and like your eyesight wasn't working and you kept like reaching out to touch people it was a very strange multi-sensory experience those first few months and this like emotional thing that happened for me on my last day where i hadn't i've been working with uh, the crew for 4 months and i hadn't most of them i hadn't seen the bottom half of their face and yeah. then we were shooting outside and I think food was brought out. And so a bunch of them had to take their masks off to eat. And I, I was seeing their faces for the first time. It was so emotional. <laughs> yeah. And it it really brought home to me what a strange time it had been. Yeah. That I'd been, I had connected with these people on some level because we had been working, we'd been each other's family for that amount of time. But, but you- a simple fact is like not knowing <laughs> what their face looked like really. And finally having that revealed Mm-hmm. to me on my last day of work which was a, a weird coincidence there's a funny part of this too where like uh i never got to take my mask off but you guys did mm. uh, Mackenzie never recognized me no matter whenever i walked on set that's <laughs> a power play patrick <laughs> <laughs> and it worked perfectly right well, <laughs> even even now she just ignores you who's yeah. that <laughs> but i think i think though it matters on set um 
yeah, I don't know if I'm curious if you guys experienced like because of all those restrictions, do you think was there more emotion when you could see each other um, when you were playing a scene with people who weren't masked since you were surrounded by people who were or since we were stuck in that thing? I, I always wonder if there's more in the show. I mean, I think it was a relief where, like, you'd get to take off your mask and be like, no, 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 let's, like, keep rehearsing for a while. Like, it was <laughs> yeah. so nice to have your mask off. But I do think, like, you know, I would go f- for walks or see people sometimes out of work and and do scenes with them. But it really was the crew thing because, like, the crew is the art, like, I don't know. I worked with Hamesh a little bit, but not that much on the show. Mm. But I worked with the crew every single day. That's why we started doing the face reveal Your, Fridays. Yeah. Mackenzie <laughs> had a big idea. Will you describe what it was? Well, for this very reason, it like drove me crazy that we never saw people's faces. So at the like morning meeting on Fridays, we do face reveal Fridays where we choose somebody from the crew to stand up and take off their mask and like turn around and everybody <laughs> would cheer. Would go, ah. But it wasn't it wasn't like performative cheering. It was ecstatic it was like the, it mania was, yeah. it was the that emotion. feeling yeah. of having someone stand in front of us turn around and smile and you're like you're so hot so <laughs> it's so cool to see your face it was so nice and then we added there's your chin thursdays because we weren't getting enough of it, it was, <laughs> but it, it's exactly what you're saying is these people are like your f- family is a very overused thing but like the thing, the the constant in your life when you're at work and you develop really intimate relationships with them, they're touching your body for sound and for makeup and for hair and they're coming close to you while you're crying and you develop this like dance with people and to not get to connect with them and know them deeper than than like as a body moving you through space felt really hard and it was really nice to have those like cathartic moments yeah. of face and chin it's like a reality show on set yeah it was love is blind <laughs> exactly. had a number of husbands so, out of it. i do i, I do want to answer your question too about i remember damage just yeah. because like Himesh said it's so heavy but whenever i hear that phrase i hear I can't help but hear the whole first kind of sequence that um, also includes then escape, then adrift in a stranger's galaxy for a long time, and then I found it again, my home. Or, but at, is there? I'm safe now in there too. I can't. Remember. I don't think so. But but the my home part, it's like I think that really encapsulates the show, which is that yeah, there's damage, but actually, the story we were always telling was finding home after it. Um, and it, it was, I heard, I heard Danielle do it when we were working on three in post, but the first time I heard an actor do it was Nabon on day two of shooting, um, in Canada after we'd moved the whole production. And he sat down with Matilda to read the book to her. Um, and it was just the, the way he played each one of those lines was, it's, it's really incredible when you see him do it. But I don't remember, I remember damage. Mm. I remember I found it again, my home. Mm. And I think, I think that's what Station Eleven is about. Um, it's, it's, it's about that much more than it is about whatever catastrophe uh, kicked off a sequence of events. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's that 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 final episode where you you sort of finally get to see the the, the fruits of of all of that. You mentioned that the two of you didn't really work much together, since obviously, mm. sort of mostly in different time frames. You did actually, at least in that final episode, get to have that moment that that the sort of the the emotional pinnacle of the entire series when the two of you, your characters, spot each other. Um, what was what was sort of the the mood like in shooting? What, first off, did you shoot in sequence or when when did you shoot Absolutely that? Absolutely not. Okay, so maybe it was like the first week. What's the and so, opposite of that? <laughs> so, so how did when did you shoot those those scenes and and did it did it feel different? Was there any or was that too early on to really sort of? No, it was a healthy yeah. amount of time. Yeah, it was a healthy yeah. time. Yeah. Well, they did seven. That was the, yeah. the gift of the whole yeah. show. Is that the for me? Um, is that the first episode that I filmed was episode seven, which was just me like lurking in the corners while I watched my childhood happen with these men and like fell in yeah. love with the relationships and got to be like an audience of my own life. So then I have these memories that aren't imaginary. Like I saw this yeah. thing and I saw the 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 devolution of this sort of very happy household and all the the beautiful moments that kept me afloat as a child. Yeah. So by the time we had our like one time on camera together was mm. I don't know. I just felt March. like like it was, it was about was, halfway through. Yeah. It, but you, it wasn't March. It was like May. May. It was May. It was, May. Yeah. It was obviously it was close to the end for me. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I'm wrong. May. But you, it wasn't the one time because you guys had my favorite scene in the whole show together. Also, yeah. to was go. that was that was that the last scene of the show? Oh yeah, but I'm but but like we hadn't worked together until. But I always felt like I. It's weird to say that because I felt like I knew you better than anyone else. But I guess I didn't. Is it because we met? We met in London. We met in London. Me and Mackenzie in the November. Of 2020, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, I think you were the first person I met from the show other right, than like yeah. you and Hero. And so it felt like, yeah. Team well, mates. just from an outsider's point of view too, though the ghost rules meant Mackenzie couldn't <clears throat> really have a causal impact on the story in Seven, it, it was really intense. Hmm. Uh, there was a lot of really intense moments. Mm -hmm. um, I saw you, you Mackenzie, witnessing um, kind of the intruder that whole sequence, it felt like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for it was acting, a leaky, but also, leaky yeah, yeah, for us. So it, I'm not surprised to hear you say that you guys. We were, yeah, we, it felt like we, we went close. through something together. Yeah, I yeah. suppose yeah. we we definitely went through that making that episode together and 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 finding it, finding the show again, and finding again for me, and learning to work again after. A year. A, a year. It had been almost exactly a year since we'd finished the, the pilot. We shot that scene in Chicago at the end of episode one with Naban, Matilda, and Hamesh trucked that apartment from Chicago to yeah. Toronto and rebuilt it. And a year later, we were all standing together in the same apartment, but we were playing a day later. Yeah, it was really strange. But the last thing that we shot on the, mm -hmm. that I shot on episode one was the end that very end of episode one where they're looking out the window at the, at the, the ferris wheel being uh, been destroyed by the plane yeah the plane um wh when did you shoot the that first episode january to february of 2020 
Yeah. So that's that's, that's great. I mean, that will always be part of the story of, of Station Eleven yeah. is, is when you shot it and how it was shot mm -hmm. and and that whole experience. And which, we rolled again February second, twenty twenty one. Yeah. So in what, that flat, <laughs> in that in that apartment, because it was our home, kind of. It was like what we knew. Mm -hmm. It was also negative five degrees in Toronto, and yeah. <laughs> we had to shoot inside for the first two. But months. it was crazy because me and Naban walked back onto that set. And it felt like that year between just disappeared. Yeah. And we were back again, picking up where we left off. Just with a whole new, in a whole new world. Um, with, yeah, years worth of research. Yeah. <laughs> into isolation. It's time for me to do some writing too. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, how was that year? What, what, did, what did you do during that year? Uh, I mean, that year sucked. Uh, as a human, I would say. I'm, I'm a dad. I have a fan. I lived the life that everyone lived of being afraid of what was happening in the world. Um, it was a gift for the show because I got a chance to not only write, but see what we had done in one and three, see what Hamesh and Matilda had done, see what Danielle had done, um, the work with Hero and his team laid down for the tone of the show. So I kind of knew what we were much better. Um, and I think Mackenzie had to wait for, for me to kind of figure out how to make the year 20 storyline um, in episode two and four and six and all the way to 10 be that also. And I think there would never have been enough time mm -hmm. if we did what we were going to do, which was start prep again in April and shoot in the summer. I think, you know, I think it was, it, I started by saying it sucked, but it was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. It was a gift creatively uh, because we were in touch too, that Mackenzie and I, that, that whole mm -hmm. year talking about, um, how to make it make sense. Um, and we needed all of it all the way up until the first day we were rolling in, in Canada. Was that always the plan to move to Canada after the first episode no. or was that, that was because of the pandemic? No, we, yeah, it felt like we couldn't be safe, uh, given the numbers in Chicago compared to Ontario. But the, the gift of that was that it's the great lakes region. Uh, as I grew up on the great lakes and, uh, it felt very important. Most of the novel takes place in Michigan too. Um, and I, I felt like it was fair game. Um, if you're using a great lake, you're using a great lake. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was safer in Toronto when we went. It's another part of the wheel. And yeah. Canadians are mad about that though. Cause well, the novel takes place in Toronto. We shot it in Toronto and we're like, I have, it's Chicago. I haven't snapped back on that, but I would say 90% of the book takes place in Michigan and LA and, and the first part takes place in Toronto. And so we're kind of, we're kind of a blur around mm -hmm. the woods. Um, also, our Canadian crew was amazing. I, I, I loved, I, I loved kind of rebuilding a crew halfway through sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially with masks, especially with all of that. But like, we got to get out to where episode nine takes place and we got a gigantic blizzard the day Hamesh was going to crawl through the snow. We got, we got things we never would have gotten had we stayed. Tell me about that, uh, airport set. Oh my uh, God. So amazing. Well, we made an airport. Part of that set is actually Pearson International Airport in Toronto, which... This is, I think, the most um, like explicit example of how strange this year was, mm -hmm. is that, the, or the pandemic, is that all you do when you're filming on a TV set or a film set is like hold for planes. And we 
built a studio inside an airport because there were no planes going out and shot for four months yeah. in an airport and never had to hold for planes. Yeah. It's so wild. The planes were down. The biggest challenge was to find that 787 uh, to come for, to, to shoot one day in episode five because there, there weren't any. But that, that airport was made out of uh, four locations. Ruth Ammon, our production designer, it's really deserves a ton of credit for the vision. She, uh, it's partially Pearson International Airport, partially the Toronto Science Center, um, partially our stages, and I don't know, I'm missing... Oh, and, and the, the Zen Garden, the place where Mackenzie and Danny shot that amazing scene at the end of episode eight, mm. was uh, another location that we built um, on a tarmac um, that was also where the gas station was. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ruth found a way to knit that together, but it's another very pandemic thing. The Toronto Science Center was closed. Uh, it's like a museum, a very popular museum in the middle of Toronto that no one was in it because of the pandemic. So we got to use it. And that's where the big play in episode 10 takes place. And the hug takes place in, a, in the wing of an airport that would have been operational, uh, but for the pandemic. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And it's all, yeah, it's very, very cohesive. Uh, I, I imagine and we kind of broached on the the fact that you, you sort of, because there's so many time jumps, so many different locations that this must have been so interesting to map out in how it was shot. And did that, I, I know it's, you know, block shotting like that sort of has become a, a common thing in television, but was it, you know, how difficult was it to <laughs> kind of shoot all these different times and time frames and sets and and you know what Mackenzie? it all worked out <laughs> <laughs> i i found it trying <laughs> cuz it wasn't block shooting it's that like and and to your credit it's a lovely quality but it because of the way we were shooting was really hard patrick's a really collaborative writer and the show was like a living document that was evolving as we were shooting, but if you're shooting out of order with a living document and you're mm-hmm. not exactly sure what happens in episode two to bring, you know what I mean? There was just some this quick stu- sense. Yeah. There was some stuff that was in flux and it required a level of faith and um, like close your eyes and jumpness that isn't my vibe. <laughs> but- Except, well, I would say, I mean, you closed your eyes and jumped. Well, yeah, and, and I did. And but I, I screamed the whole way down. So. <laughs> it, it, the funny thing about you, the two of you, though, is that Himesh, I think, is the only actor on the show who shot straight in order for his character's experience. That is funny. <laughs> and Mackenzie went almost reverse. Wow, so right. I I'd never thought about that. I don't think that you shot that a, nice? I don't think you shot a day <laughs> no. that wasn't oh, yeah. linearly the next thing that happened to your character. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And and Mackenzie, uh, we shot episode 2 last. Um so I think and Danny has said before too Everything Mackenzie just said uh, is horrifying and scary for an actor, and she did leap of faith, and they all did. And it was, I, you know, it was really, really hard for their, for the actors, and they just kept delivering. But Danny did say one thing once that made me feel better, at least, which was once you guys had the ending, like you knew what you played. Um, it 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 gave a sense of kind of knowing what to do as we were going backwards in episodes four and six, he always said, at least like, since he knew what he played at the ends, 
getting there kind of had some clarity to it. I can already tell Mackenzie is not agreeing with this <laughs> as I'm saying it right now. That's okay. It you all know, worked it out. No, it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is no before. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Except there's also no after, only now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Problem with that line is that uh, Danny's wrong throughout the show that that's the that that's actually the spirit of the graphic novel. I think he's grabbed onto that line, but there is, I think the show thinks there is one. Well, because he didn't actually have a copy of the graphic novel. So he perverted what he remembered from, from it. Right. So, so, so interesting. Um, I know you get this question all the time, but there are plenty of loose ends at the end of the series. You could potentially do another, season of station 11 and where things go from there did did was there ever a conversation about that or ever thought of where could we go with this story if we wanted to go there's plenty of places to go but i i think if Mackenzie and Hamesh wanted to uh we probably could do it but it i, I the thing i was drawn to is much more kind of like year 30 um or year 25 and year 5 um it's exciting to imagine watching Matilda grow up and maybe playing playing Kirsten in the middle mm-hmm. years. Um, it's exciting to imagine what five years into um, Jeevan's time with Lara was as they were starting a family. Yeah, There's all sorts of great stuff there, but my, my answer to that is I, I'm only interested if the people who are in Station Eleven want to do it again. I feel like... I'm not saying this to dodge it, but like what would interest me would be like an anthology series, something that Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote the book has said when people have been like, Oh, what 20 years in the future, no one's figured out like solar panels or something. Um, She's like, this isn't everybody's experience. This is the experience of this group of people in this area of the world. There is a completely different group of people that have like, you know, built an agricultural like wonderland (laughs) and aren't traveling bards and aren't like sort of cobbling together this meager existence and settlements because of the resources and minds that were around and the amount of trauma they went through. And there's something really interesting in like, just moving to Ireland and seeing yeah, what yeah, like what happened that there. that was like. Um, I think that interests me more than than like excavating these characters' histories more because I love this sort of slice of time that was expansive, but still like, and that's all we know about their experience. Yeah, and and maybe it's like in the Walking Dead timeline too. So maybe they're just dealing For with sure. like zombies down in yeah. Georgia. Yeah. So <laughs> if you kind of that, that was never us though. I was like the idea of the show was almost the the inverse of that. Or we we collapsed it into what we called the first one hundred. Um, bad things like that happened, sure. But like I think for Hero and I at the beginning of the project, what was so interesting was like, what if we did a post apocalyptic series that didn't mine pain um further if if you have many billion deaths at the top of your show i think there's better things to do than more death uh you owe as a storyteller kind of um joy yeah. i think if that's going to be your your booster rocket to start yeah yeah and and i'm glad that we get to see so, some of that 
some some of that joy, especially in in the finale. So, but Patrick, you are actually adapting another one of Emily's books, right? Is that yeah? So so you're kind of still maybe <laughs> <laughs> word on the street. <laughs> Are you working on Glass Hotel? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on the Glass Hotel, and it's but it's like Mackenzie said, anthologized off of our world a bit in that um, the character of Miranda. Oh, cool. Well, you know, okay. sort of a secret, but whatever. Uh, it's not she. She's in the novel, The Glass Hotel. Um, we thought, what would happen if we sort of expanded her role? And what's interesting there is that. It takes place in the time between when she turned or burns down Arthur's um, pool house and shows back up again in 2020. And what's cool about this story is she can be making the graphic novel in the backgrounds of the story of the Glass Hotel. See, I love that. I think that's so much more interesting to have this like thing happening in the background that was the foreground of another thing. And you, I really like that. And it's yeah. di it's diagonal. But what's cool too is like you know what happens to Miranda in the end. Um, from Station Eleven, dead. He, he, thank you. <laughs> <Just> died. <laughs> died. Yeah. Uh, but with, but with, with Vice President Jonah Ryan, by the yeah, way, yeah, it's totally yeah. dead. It, it very much doesn't matter. I think for another show to see, you know, how did that graphic novel get made? And another cool thing there too is, I think we can bring back our artist and keep making the graphic novel. So if we make Glass Hotel, by the end of making Glass Hotel, we'll have made the whole graphic novel, and then we'll just publish it as a book. You haven't... Oh, I thought we were going to get one of those. Well, we have 23 pages. Okay. But it takes our artist a, a full week to make each page, and we have uh, 70 more to make. Mm. So we're trying to get to the real graphic novel by the end of it. Can we, we have one when you're done? Of course you can have one when we're done. You can. We have the wireframe. You've read it. Oh, yeah, no, I have that. You want but, you the know, real one. I looked at those sort of green screen pages and how full we shot the show. I would love to see. <laughs> want the real. The real is coming. <laughs> have you heard of any fans out there who have tried to recreate it, have, who have put together their version of Station Eleven, the uh, the graphic novel? Well, even our producer Jessica has printed out all the pages that exist, and they're on the wall in her office. So, um, so she's getting there. We have one through ten, and then a smattering throughout. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're trying to get to the whole thing. That'll be something to, to look forward to one day in the, in the future. One day. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like, I mean, this uh, was, was such a, such a interesting experience, especially for, for the two of you. Um, mm. But, but for everyone involved. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully glass house and kind of at least keeping a little bit of the, 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 the world, the, the universe alive. We'll keep going. We, I feel like we built a, a certain kind of language with the show mm -hmm. and it, it, it probably can tell more stories. And I think we did a good job completing kind of what we were doing in ours, but we want to tell more. And, and I think both the characters that these two played could, could easily pop up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to see Himesh back in that wig, right? Mm. That, uh, except it might be like a sort of halfway to that wig. <laughs> By the time we yeah. get there, you well, won't need the wig. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say just a few gray hairs, which I'll, uh, I'm creating myself. Just aging into that year 20 look. Yeah. You wouldn't, wouldn't you want to see Kirsten in year 30? No. <laughs> year 25? <laughs> no. No. All right. Fair enough. I think it's nice to leave people wanting more. I, I'm like, I don't know. What's she doing? You're 50? 
Um, I love the idea of her. I guess her and Miranda would never interact. But I, I love, I, I well, love that like some strange way that. Well, him, I don't know. If none of it makes sense timeline wise. We'd never work here's together. Here's the thing I know that you want to do that is very exciting too. I think if we make that whole graphic novel, I think what would be cool, we talked about it the other thing, is to make a movie that's just called Stage Oh, 11, I love that. Yeah, that's and great. it's just in space and it's the story of the yeah. graphic novel that and all of our cast plays remixed, yeah. remixed yeah. to play 100%. the characters in it. HBO Max, are you listening? Yeah. Like that rather fantastic. than just like beating something to, to death, yeah. really finding a different, oh, I think that that really feature. turns me on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we found it from there a There you go. All right. Who gets to wear the, the actual astronaut costume? Hey. Not, uh, uh, we, uh, I give know, because it it's K, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going based on canon. Yeah, the answer I is do. Mackenzie. There you go. Mackenzie got it. All right, HBO Max. Looking forward to that. So when's that coming? It'll be like... 2028, 2029, we'll, uh, we'll get back I think we could get it out by 2023. We need to talk to Mr. <laughs> Mr. Zaslav or the, 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 the incoming Yeah, We're looking for the green light. The Guys, team. can you green light it back here? Anyone here? No? Not yet? Okay. All right. Hands up in the air. Yes. Well, no. Congratulations. Again, This this every year there's at least one show that really sort of like impacts you personally and it just stays with you. And this year really was Station Eleven. It's the show that stays with you. I'm still thinking about it months after watching it, and it really and 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 I tell everyone it's. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm evangelizing now. Like you, if you haven't seen Station Eleven yet, you have to because it's going to knock knock you off your feet, and it's going to be that show that you just always remember watching, and you remember that particular moment in time. So. Congratulations, oh guys. The second season. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just greenlit it. Well, so. Can I evangelize Thank you? Too? That's so nice. Yeah, but and it makes me want to just say one last thing, which is the performances of these two are remarkable in the show, as are many of the others. Yeah. But I think as in this conversation, we've sort of there's a there's a page in the graphic novel that says, Captain, I need you to do an impossible task uh, that I think about a lot because I think that is sort of what all the actors got asked to do to make this show. Um, and I write weird scenes. I write scenes, they're, they're hard to get from A to B on them, but I think our cast in particular on this show made the show work. Um, it wouldn't have without these two in particular and all the cast. So I'm, I'm evangelizing for their work to be acknowledged to, uh, and uh, a lot yeah. uh, for making <laughs> Station Eleven work. Well, one of the things, I mean, Patrick, uh, n not to prolong this, because I feel like we kind of like we it. hit it, but no, we got um, time. We got time. <laughs> one of the things I really liked about the casting, too, is you mentioned that there's a lot of humor in this show, you know, and, and, and the number of folks with comedy chops mm -hmm. that you've cast that, that were a part of this sort of, I think, was, was, was really interesting casting in, in what you, you guys did with this. Yeah, we went to Mackenzie first for her comedy chops, since she's known. <laughs> and actually, she's hilarious. Hamash is hilarious. Everyone in our... Every, everyone's funny, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. And now it's everyone's it. funny. Everyone's got a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I think it... Um, okay, well, it's no need to be like that, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. I feel like it's a huge part of what kept us afloat. Yeah, and back to the cast thing, too. I think all the funniest moments in the show are things that the cast were improving. Um, and just like throwing out there, um, I could name 
I could name a gazillion, but uh, it's it's because they're funny that the show's funny, and it needed to be. Himesh is hilarious on the show, which, like, reading the character is not your first <laughs> thought. <laughs> but, like, laugh out loud, um, end of the world moments. It's, uh, yeah, I think he has a great sense of humor. Thank you. What was it like for the two of you to finally actually watch the show, you know, sort of not knowing how it was finally going to look, how it was going to be edited, this, all, all the different, you know, just, just how it was all going to be put together? What was what was that like? Yeah, pretty. I mean, for me, it was really surreal because it had been such a long time. I, I, I auditioned for the show in October of 2019. And, you know, then we shot the pilot. Now we're talking over two years ago. So by the time I was watching final cuts of the episode, it, it had been nearly two years. It had been well over two years since I'd auditioned, you know. So it felt like a, a big circle had been closed. Um, and it was it, it was hard for me to sort of, I think, just watch the show because it just laden with so much emotion and so much time invested and, and that sort of thing. And, and I... And I felt like it had been the first time that I'd done a show and I'd been there from so early on yeah. and hadn't been there with it throughout so much. Yeah, yeah. So it was hard for me to sort of just go and watch a show. And, you know, in a way it's kind of made the wonderful response to it all the more sort of it's it's kind of knocked me a, a, a bit because I've been like, oh, yeah, it's a show that people are loving and it's like a story that people – and it that you finally get to go, oh, we made something good and it was really um, – it meant a lot to people because as we've said, like for us, it was a, it, it was an experience that it becomes something else entirely. It's hard to just sort of see it as a, as a, as a story and a show, you know, it's, I think it's seeped into our lives in a really mm -hmm. profound way. Yeah. Mackenzie, it sounds like you yeah. agree. I think that's my, um, my answer to the, I remember damage question and what that means to me is that like the show it's just such a like meta experience where it was very hard to make. It was very emotional to make. It was both like excavating past trauma and then just like the current situation of extreme isolation and loneliness and everything. It was just a very intense thing. And then it ended and I felt like it was really with me still in a very present way. And I've never had this experience before where doing press for the show has been like it's been so nice to talk about it. Like it, that experience was my life. And in talking about it, it like consolidated the experience and like ratified it in a way where it's like, okay, well that's there now and it's done. But it felt like it was, it hadn't closed until we started doing press for it. And obviously if it was like very badly received, I think that would be a different <laughs> thing. It's really nice that people are like, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. But it's been nice to to like distance myself from it because it felt like life and, and art were like not separate for that whole no. period of time. And being able to look back and be like, and that's how I spent my pandemic. It was yes. like, it's been really nice to conclude it. We were out of time. Like, I know we are out of time, but we were out of time for the making of the show. And then I think we had to put it back together in, into time. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly made sense um, at the very, very end, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, I'm really proud of the show. And I'm really proud of these two, too. Me, too. Yeah. Me, too. Well, 
on that note, congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see you again soon for season two. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. In Thank space. You. <laughs> Thank you. That's Station Eleven stars Mackenzie Davis and Hamish Patel, along with creator, executive producer Patrick Somerville. The show is now streaming on HBO Max. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.